Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. Uh, we're back again, episode seven, the first podcast of uh, 2023. Uh, people are getting sick of being here in Happy New Year. And I can't I can't talk. It's New Year and I can't talk. Who have we got on the pod? Triple J Attack. Me, James. We've got John. Hi, John. Hey, James. We've got Jack. Hi, Jack. Hello. Um, Connor's bailed on us. I don't know where he is. Ben threatened to come back and is not here, but seems to be making imminent comeback. Slowly heading towards a five-a-side team. I know, yeah. Um, any, what do we do? Anecdotes for Christmas? John, did you get any presents? Training merch? I got nothing Oxford-related this time around. Did have Christmas in Oxford, which was That's very nice. Took my daughter to see the sights of Oxford. Uh, you know, the old Radcliffe camera around the universities. Nice. Tried to take her for a pint in the Turf Tavern, but she uh, woke up in her pram, so that was a bit of a... Selfish. Selfish, yeah. But yeah, it was a good effort, at least. Good. Okay, Jack? No, no Oxford stuff this year. I I uh, kind of found out what you get as a 30-year-old is uh, walking socks, a thermal vest, and some garden secateurs. So... Um... That's what happens, isn't it? Yeah. You get older. Did go to Firely on Boxing Day, though. That was a very nice afternoon out. Nice. Do you want to tell the listeners where that is? Uh, it's south of Scarborough. <laughs> <laughs> the Tamana Geography section. But that's accurate for once, unlike Spenny Moore. Yeah, it's, it's, Spenny Moore. <laughs> it's not in West Yorkshire. Spenny Moore is very 2022. All right, let's yeah, move on. True. Um, speaking of gifts, are any of you going to get uh, one of the... Um, half and half Arsenal Oxford bits of memorabilia on the store, or should I say, a resonal <laughs> based on the spelling on the scarf? Um, have they sorted that out yet? Yeah, they've amended the image. I'm hoping that, well, I don't really care, but it would be even funnier if the actual products were spelt wrong. <laughs> I'd love, I'd love if there's a crate right now being sort of Indiana Jones warehouse style with a load of scarves for resonal. Being put into the dark ages. I mean, this is painful. You see other clubs do this, you think, ah, I, whatever. It's bad, isn't it? it it's, some... like bad, it's bad enough to do it, but then bad, really bad to buy it as well. Even though it gives the club money, it's just, it does fit. It's a bit tin pot, isn't it? I like to think that we should be competing as a professional some, football side. There was some couple of pictures doing the rounds of some bloke outside the Kassam on at the Exeter game. On Saturday, selling half and half scarves a week ahead of it. It's like just wrong. Yeah. Okay. But we're going to talk about, we can talk a little bit about the Arsenal game in this, can't we? Isn't it next Monday? Yeah. It's terrible. It's in three days away. It's in three days away. Four days, whatever it is. Um, Okay. So since the last pod, what we were previewing, Chef Wednesday, did we all go to that? John, we went to that. Did Jack, you go? I don't really Yeah, we had a pint together, James. It was Jack, it was a great day. Oh, yeah. In fact, I met you first. Do you remember how we blanked so many things out of that day because of how painful it it was? was. I also drank. We went to that brewery place and it was extremely heavy duty, weird beer. And then that's that's the reason why, Jack. I don't remember anything. And I'm old. Uh, Fair enough. Um, Yeah, so we got Wednesday, uh, Ipswich. Chowton and Exeter to talk about. Very up and down 
very big mixed bag and that's kind of the story of the season but we'll we'll get to that um we'll start with news before we get onto the football um there's been there was a post today actually wasn't there on the bbc site about the the stadium which also referenced a massive pdf like that must have been from the proposal from last year it was like 160 odd pages and i i've set out with an ambition to read it and then gave up after about four minutes but did manage to skim most of it It had you know some diagrams that were picturing you know the view from um oxford parkway station and the how they'd manage transport links and create a path to go over but it was very much covering obviously the triangle and stratford break as well have any of you guys managed to look into any of that as of yet i didn't quite make it through like appendix two for the uh (laughs) biological strategy but it it all seemed pretty thorough but they as they said it was focusing on stratford break a let's call it i.e all on the main site so it was all very thorough and it all looked read well and it was impressive and taking in all the right things but then i also felt that when what the club put out seemed to indicate that the, the meeting on the 24th is much more geared around the uh Ferezi way or the triangle triangle of truth so i was a bit sort of sad to kind of read that report and go well by sheer what you can fit into either or you kind of can't you can't sort of get as much out of it um as you said on the last pod actually john like what what's really the difference the whole you know you were saying if you move the whole of the oxford site and that the fan the amount of fans going to the games doesn't really change yeah. if the size of the stadium is the same so it's having the same impact on majority seen... of the reasons you know majority of the things that the people would be concerned about so it just seems seems bizarre doesn't it but since the last pod we all we sort of speculated a bit more it was clear that things were much more in the towards that site than we were probably chatting and things come out like well of course it would be a lot easier it's only crossing one road to get people in from the parkway and the lease is a lot easier and there's just much less obstacles for it to happen. It's It would just be fascinating to know, and I suppose it doesn't really matter, when the switch between the two was made because you've got some serious comprehensive documents all talking to the other site. Yeah, it feels like the 24th is basically about likely, hopefully, to get the, give the yes to the triangle, um, which gets to the stadium, so I guess we shouldn't complain. But feels like the genuine bigger thing is would have been would have been better but yeah well we'll see so big date is the 24th of january um where they're going to discuss proposals i think the the main premise of the article on the bbc site today was more that all of that detail has been provided but if anything it's just prompted more questions but then i think the response from oxfox and around it was that well that's kind of the idea like we're not in the planning process yet yeah it is meant to prompt you to ask more that's what I was going to say. A lot of the stuff that is being asked is the kind of things that get ironed out within a planning application. You yeah. know, a lot of it's quite detailed stuff that is just never, you know, inked this early on at all. So hopefully the 24th becomes that next step on the ladder, so to speak, towards putting a plan uh, application in. So it's definitely yeah. about making lots of positive noise now in the build up to that. Yeah, so you can go on the Oxfox website, oxfox.org.uk, and I think it's slash right 
to um, OCC with hyphens in between. But I'm sure if you get to go to the Oxfox site, you'll be able to find your way there. I've, um, st- I've started like drafting a letter on a number of occasions, and it always it starts off very sort of heartfelt, and then just heads towards "Give us a stadium, you mothers." <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I sort of go right, dial it back. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I've, I've told myself I'm gonna do it. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's de- it's definitely worth doing. Do you know if it if that what they're now taking in is more around the concept of just getting a, a sustainable stadium in place rather than where it is or is it based on the actual trying is the shift moved to the triangle exclusively uh, now uh, the, the noise seems to suggest because we're what another six months on that it's about the triangle because there's less issues with the lease and needing to get other parish councils on side etc but i don't know if they get a kind of yes if that fully ends the original stratfield break site or or not it's not overly clear yeah okay well fingers crossed that meeting at the end of the month goes well and we're able to talk about it on one of these um we're now in january guys so it's time to talk about transfers i think mr mr carl robinson's tone seemed to change somewhat as soon as we hit january in terms of how we was talking about um protecting his players then suddenly going straight into what we need recruitment wise um what are your guys thoughts jack start with you priorities names that have been kind of landed around um well i think striker is 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 a is a desperation even with joseph allegedly back for next week i think you need another body um i think it's asking a lot of odonka to come and play another what 20 games and have impact in those um He's had a good start to his career, but he is still 19, so you just can't expect him to, you know, be a eight, nine out of ten every week. Um, I think we need a central midfielder. I think Oshin Smith's gone on, gone on loan today, so there's kind of a, a natural gap made there because he he was within the squad cap. Um, Where's he gone? He's gone to Solihull on a month's loan to begin with. Okay, um, and I think we'll see some kind of left back. Um, come in and potentially set and go out if we do get one in. I think it'll be a couple of churns. Sorry to go back to it. With with Smith, am I right in thinking he was on trial at a League Two club but then didn't make the cut and they didn't Newport, follow through yeah. with an offer? Newport, that was it. Which is a bit worrying, isn't it? Given the high hopes. He was the next one on the the rank, wasn't he? That we kind of looked at from over there. Yeah, I still give him time because I think midfield is harder. To, to be younger, <laughs> everyone's younger. But do you know what I mean? I think it's just a harder position to break into. But I know, I get what you mean. It's Solihull's a good club though and there's, there's a fair amount of investment there. Well, it's our old, uh, it's our old friend, isn't it? Still, Daryl, is he still there? Is he still there? Yes, I think so. So, you know, there's probably a bit of that as well. Okay. Um. So yeah, striker. Any builds on striker and left back, John? No, and I I agree with the midfield shout because you are you're basically asking McGwane to play the rest of the season for defensive midfield, i.e. if if he gets injured or needs to take a break, or you're going to then end up in the Cam Brannigan as a holding midfielder. You so you need someone to be able to come into that. The problem we've got is that we've kind of got, and we've had all season, 
it's not a bad first 11. So the sell to someone else to come in is is more difficult. So it's going to have to be a it's going to have to be likely loan players, isn't it? Um, which come with a cost, which I guess we, isn't a massive issue. I just kind of hope KR doesn't get distracted by the fact that Brown is injured and there'll be some sort of wingers possibly dangled around. I think whilst Murphy and Wildshut are still relative gambles and not fully up to speed, it's sort of, I just don't want us to waste time on flirting with sort of, unless it's a kind of a younger player who's, and it's fair, it's a fairly easy job and it's fairly done in. I don't want us to sort of waste time going after a, a more established player per se, who's a, who's a winger. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he's not held himself because he's made, he's made sort of the similar comments he often does, but he's particularly talked about, you know, wants to get players in by the Fleetwood game. And I think just the mood at the place at the moment is that's just asking for trouble because if it doesn't happen by Fleetwood, the mood of the place at the moment is just going to be right straight on him. Why hasn't it happened? Um, so I think it's just the way he's framed this is very much kind of we need to wait for the right players. We know they all are, yet we've seen previous windows not go remotely in that direction. So again, are we setting our targets too high or are we just being beaten out by bigger clubs or are we simply kind of waiting to see what falls, which is all just a bit too yeah. gambly, really. Yeah. Um Stephen Negru Negru another sign another centre back signing from Ireland has come in um, I don't I just saw the name Damien Duff in the notes and I was like that's a blast from the past yeah um, he was the manager of the of Shelburne I think any I haven't seen any interviews or anything with him has anyone seen any, any anything he's got a fascinating accent Oh, expand. Well, he was born in Moldova and moved to Ireland like really young. So he's got this unique kind of combination of a bit of Eastern European with an Irish twang. I like that. Okay. So we might get our first ever Oxford player playing for Moldova, potentially. Nice. That, does really... that mean we'll end up with some game getting called off because we've got like, <laughs> he gets called up to Moldova or something? Probably. <laughs> Well, we're becoming an international team. When Moldova play Malta, we'll be laughing. <laughs> um, okay, cool. There was a few rumours. I don't know which one of you guys popped some things in the notes. I, I heard about the Tom Cannon thing. Is a striker from Everton. Um, has a really good record by the looks of things. But I expect... Isn't this the one, yeah, where Wednesday um, apparently are in pole position to sign him, but we were referenced in... Uh, a paper, or it was an online article, wasn't it? Um, as well, but Sheffield Wednesday have maybe Carl Robinson's playing a game by constantly referencing how many strikers that they've got in every interview that he seems to do. But I wouldn't have thought they were they really needed that. But maybe that's what sides do when they're really just trying to get over the edge. We're we're probably put out as a name by agents as well as kind of X or Y's interested because we are quite a sort of a reasonably prime team in League One to go to, but we're obviously not one of the so-called big boys. So I reckon a lot of stuff gets, we get used a lot to try and appear like we might be a generally viable option versus some of these to get it over the, get it over the line. 
Um, but yeah, but this is these notes are definitely Jack's territory. Trawling through the uh, Scoutmaster the, Jack, the, Scoutmaster, yeah, Scoutmaster Jack. Well, the, the current theme seems to be youngish striker or Macaulay Bonn, who just gets linked with every League One team every time he's available. But the interesting one that came up earlier today um, was. I don't know how you pronounce this properly, but Teo Eden, who was at Lincoln under Appleton, who can play left-back or wing-back, and he can play in the middle of midfield as well. Um, but again, some of the names linked with him were Chef Wednesday. So we we seem to be fishing in similar ponds as some of the other promotion contenders at the minute, which probably won't go our way because we're probably less of a an appeal than in previous seasons. All I can think about is Joe Grayson when you listed all those positions. Oh my god! Do you know what I completely <laughs> forgot about, about that? But carry on. With um, if we did get, so he's he looks quite versatile. Um, Tayo Eden is in. He can play left wing back and maybe move towards midfield. And then you you start to think as soon as you, when you've got Anderson, who's sort of cementing a place now, um, and isn't necessarily setting the world alight from a defensive point of view that it would be nice to have the option that we kind of had a bit last year where we can move from the three to the well the five three and then um or have the four but it's it would be nice wouldn't it to to have that um any others jack uh the only other one that seemed a random link via chef united kind of journalist was um a young striker called Willis Ula, who's just been recalled from Derby and didn't really set it alight. He couldn't get in the team, but they've got James Collins and David McGoldrick, so you have to do a lot to displace either of them. But um, I saw him a couple of times, obviously being in Derby, and he, I'd just describe him as raw and pacey, which I'm not too against if we've got that as an option up our sleeves because we are missing, well, Murphy and Wildshirt are obviously back, but... Our centre, more central players aren't particularly pacey, especially with Brown being injured now longer term. So, you know, a bit of a wild card option doesn't go amiss sometimes. Yeah. Just on that, so he's the same age as um, Odonka. If if we did sign another striker, do you think Odonka will just stay around the squad this season? Or do you think there's an opportunity for him to go out? I think he's shown he can hold his own here i don't think he i don't think alone is critical at the minute um but yeah i think you i agree with jack you need someone in that mold definitely with pace because if murphy and yannick or or bone they've all got pace and you, the sort of we've talked before about getting a more physical type striker in i think now this is actually all more about just trying to play quicker so it needs to be someone like like that yeah I still think though, if you if you've got Taylor Joseph is back fit, who we generally played down the middle. I know we moved him out to the left, and he did really well. But then you get another person in, then yeah. But I I still think he's young enough, isn't he, O'Donker, to to get experience from being being around senior players and training the, a bit like the, what McNally's doing at Burnley. You you assume there was an article in the Oxford Mail this morning. Um, it was basically into Stevie Kinnebrew saying we're going to change it up a little bit about how the pathways work for the younger players coming through. And, you know, not every player will need to go on loan to a, a Dartford. For some, it will be better staying around the first team. And he did reference O'Donker as potentially being one of those. So I think even if he doesn't 
you know, if he drops out the squad for a few games, that's nothing against him. It's just part of the, the process. And I think previously we may have burnt some players out by including them too much and hyping them up a bit. So if we're a bit more steady, I don't mind that. That that was kind of, my thought on the Odonka thing was that it's great he's getting some of the experience. I know he's got a couple of goals, but it's just that. It's like, would he even get a starting place in the League Two side right now? Then thinking about all the hype that he had at the same time and how people were calling for his name over Matty Taylor. I remember being in the stands at Wednesday and people were, every time Matty made a mistake, cheering for Odonka to come. I was just like, I was struggling a little bit with where we're at up front um, with our strike force, if that's that's really the case. So definitely important that we get uh, an aim in with some experience. I, I'd rather have the experience rather than the 19-year-old striker on loan. Um but obviously hard to come by. And I don't want Norwood, um, a Norwood-esque player. That in terms you, of you, you want that advantage. championship striker who's like midway through their career, hasn't got in the team for whatever reason, is sort of fourth choice and we can maybe get for two months on loan. Who's the guy that's at, who was at Forest Green that's just ended his contract? Uh, Sunderland. Connor Wickham. Connor Wickham. Connor Wickham. That's... But if, he, if he wasn't injury prone, <clears throat> and I know he... Is old. <laughs> well, he's getting on, but again, like he's he had a. I don't know. It should be interesting, wouldn't it, to see the different. Um, if you flanked a player like that who stayed fit with really rapid wingers that were getting a lot of service in, I still would be very interested to see what would play out. And we've you've seen what wild shots like now. So, um, there was. Some other news, wasn't there? There was, what's the new guys? Is it Tim Williams, the new chief exec guy? He did quite a good, he speaks really well. Um, I forget, I think the interview was played back on Radio Oxford at some point, but he speaks really well and he talked about how they were looking at the structure of the club off the pitch um, as well. And I I don't know what you guys were looking into that. You know, they is he thinking about just the commercial side, which you definitely referenced, or I wonder if they're going to edge towards recruitment now we've had this kind of... Has it happened with... Is it Mark Thomas heading to... We got him from Pompey, didn't we? And he now he's heading to... Where's he heading? Derby. Derby, Derby. yeah. Um, so you imagine they might use it as an opportunity to look at how we manage recruitment. Is the Do we need a director of football type thing? And thinking about how KR operates, it's... It's going to be interesting to see what comes out of all of that. I mean, he's he, he talked more to the commercial side, which is, you know, fan engagement, revenue, uh, that side of things. Um, it, it's just going to be the balance between, because ideally you want the board and the directors to be focusing on the off the field, i.e. the stadium and this kind of stuff. and uh, And hopefully the, what happens on the pitch gets better. And so they can kind of keep the focus on the stuff he's talking about to a degree. I'm sure they, of course they can do both at the same time, but you know what I'm getting at. Um, but no, they got, they got the scoreboard in, which we saw. Oh shit. We some, should have talked about in the, some, the stadium uh, section. The brilliant image. I think Jack, you shared of the, uh, it looking like it was trying to bring down an alien spaceship or something. Bright green projection. <laughs> It just looks amazing. I think um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just imagining it being, and it, the picture is on Twitter somewhere, I think, but I'm just imagining that on Monday night 
and Mikel Arteta referencing it in his post-match interview about it being off-putting or something because it does just. I mean, I, I get, I get, I get the point. The, I think the commercial side has dipped noticeably in the last few seasons. Marketing, especially, I think the season ticket offer this year was appalling, and you know, generally we 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 slipped up a bit. Hence, why we've got Bangkok Glass throwing money at us to you know allegedly sponsor everything. Um, I think if we can move away from needing to have like a, a board member's best friend or you know, close contact from sponsoring everything. Um, and I think Tim Williams has been at big clubs, hasn't he? So he should know, he should have decent contacts in the game. What sponsors did DC United have, by the way? Or Inter when Fahir was there? Opal? No, that was AC Milan. What's the classic Inter Milan sponsor, John? Pirelli. Pirelli. Pirelli, of course. Yes, I'll take Pirelli. I mean, I, right. I don't know for sure. I'm not sure the current... They either weren't still the sponsor or weren't till fairly recently. I think we need to. We'll do some research and then I'll Photoshop it onto an Oxford shirt. I can see. I can see Jack furiously searching. Um, is there anything else for? I, I did want to talk a little bit about the side, but we'll get onto that in a second anyway by going through the games. Um, Sheffield Wednesday away. It was a great day out again. Um, train strikes made it hassle for a lot of people, but we still had a good crowd. I think we had about a thousand. Yeah, it was not a bit more. It was a good turnout considering so, everything. Exactly. Um best ninety minute performance, John, would you say, this season? I uh, I think if you kind of take which almost makes it not the best ninety minutes performance. If you take the chances missed out, <laughs> of which a couple of them were one of them was, you know, horrible. Um, it felt like we sustained our level of performance for a lot of the match. Um, I think you made a good point that as a neutral, it probably wasn't the best game to watch. But from a sort of watching Oxford lens, I felt like we did keep the level up for most of the game and create, well, create a number of good chances. Um, I was by no means perfect and kind of illustrated the season. It was a better performance, though, than... I think Bolton's the other one that stands out as as a really great away performance, doesn't it? But Yeah, I just felt I felt this was a level up from Bolton because there was more control in what yeah. we were doing. Bolton was like we were just a bit more backs to the wall and it was a lot of like scrapping and all that sort of thing. This was a bit more like actually you started to see players like Bates emerge and sort of have more imposure on what we were doing. Um, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday were awful... Like for a team that hadn't lost, only there's only lost three games that at that point. I couldn't believe it. No, they, we couldn't believe it though as a collective, could we? We were just yeah. looking at each other afterwards, going like, "Oh, my, they were just punting the ball from the back and just hoping that they could retain, get a knockdown, and then retain some possession." And it's, I, it's depressing. Lost, as you said, they'd lost three games. I was, um, yeah, I was a bit devastated, but. Jack John's mentioned um, bait there, but he's really coming in. You know, I remember on probably only two, three pods. We were so irregular these days that probably only a couple of pods ago we were talking about like who is bait, what is bait. But now he's really he's cemented a place, hasn't he, in that three? Yeah, um, playing playing football and looking confident, which I think was always going to take a little bit of time. Like he's come with such a reputation of being you know on the fringes of a Premier League side um, 
having moved to Leeds for was it a couple of million, I think, for when he was eighteen or something. So um, it was always going to take him a little bit of time to get used to being crunched by a thirty-five-year-old Fleetwood central midfielder or something like that. But he he just looks classy on the ball. And to go to the point about our performance generally, it reminded me a lot of the game we won there last season, where I think Gorin and Kane played together and started running the midfield. Yeah, and, so good. Um, we mean, lost the second half a bit last season, though. Whereas this time around, I actually felt that we still deserved the win. Yeah, the but it, it, this season we could have scored two in the first five minutes and two in the last five minutes and contrived to score nothing. Um, <laughs> Which, on that, on on yeah. at the beginning of the game with Marcus Brown, he got he had two one very good chance that he, where he kind of broke through and then another opportunity as well. But just whilst we're on him, do you think the injury? I know the timing looks all right because we've got Wildshut and Murphy now seemingly fit, although they seem to be rotating that position between them. But do you guys think he needed a bit of time away from the side, or we needed him to not be? I saw. So, no, I, I um, saw you going. I was fully agree. I well, you obviously don't wish injury on anyone, but I've I think I've definitely been saying it that he's he's created moments and he has created some odd goal, which means some people would always say, "Oh, you've got to have him inside." But I've continued to be like, "Well, he's been way off for quite a while," and you saw it the difference with how someone like Murphy plays over the last few games, it's just stretched teams a lot more, whereas Brown just hasn't done that. He's always looking to sort of cut more inside, more in, play more inverted, whatever you want to call it. And um, whilst it'd be nice to have Brown around to come off the bench, I don't think it's a bad thing he's come out of the team um, at all, really. May even help Taylor, actually. Well, it may. Well. I, I think it may help Brown. Like if he see what Wildshot did first half against... Exeter, we'll obviously get onto that. We need to jump around, don't we, when we do this? It's hard otherwise. But what Wildshot did really well first half is he was direct, took players on, and then got his head up and looked for passes. And whilst a few of those, his final balls were kind of a little bit all yeah, over the place. He still round, looks rusty. Like he still, yeah, but he was still so direct that they, and he did, he really mixed it up in terms of cutting in or going down the line. And he still put that cross in that Goodrum got his head on yeah, so yeah. if that had gone in you'd have been you'd have forgiven him the three crappy crosses well, so with most wingers though you don't unless it, it's really poor you don't mind that they keep you want what you want wingers to do like they're the players that are allowed to do that over and over again so um unless it's continually missing but for me brown's not done that sort of four or five times a game got into a position to drive across on the ground either or take a man on it's um and I'm sure Brown is as quick or whatever as Murphy, yet Murphy's just doing old-fashioned, I'm just going to knock and run like he uh, skinned your old mate Sean Clare. Something <laughs> fierce something fierce against uh, Charlton. Yeah. When um, I think by by the second half of Wednesday, I'm trying to think back to the chances a little bit, but it was exciting, wasn't it, Jack, when Wildshut and Murphy came on kind of together? And then Wildshot really early, we had a counter, didn't we? And he got the ball on the edge, played to him on the edge. And it was like a three on two situation or something. And you're like, this is it. And even before that, Josh Murphy's first touch in the entire game was to knock the ball past the Wednesday winger and then beat the full back. And you you know, when you get that rush where everyone's on their feet and you just felt we've missed that this season. And 
you just hope that those two can hit their 90 minute abilities, you know, within the next month and we find a bit of form and you, you have a good running and a bit of an exciting finish. But but even so, like, again, jumping around, Goodrum started, he did start against Exeter, didn't he? And he was pretty lively for, all right, the first half and all right, most players were pretty lively for the first half, but he looked good generally. So if he comes, if he comes on in a team that's in a good position, Whereas before he's come on and it's, everyone's been a bit like, crap, what are we doing? And so he hasn't really been able to do much. If he comes on in a positive place for the team, that's fine for 20 minutes. That's when you want him to come on. So Yeah, if, if, you, if you go forward with a fully fit Wildshot, a fully fit Murphy and Goodrum, at rotating those three or one off the bench or whatever it might be is a pretty good selection to have, I'd say. Uh, into the rest of the season. What what the test is for me though, because <clears throat> this is kind of what KR's always kind of said. Oh, when when I've got everyone fit, when I've got basically the wingers fit, everything will be fine. And what you haven't seen in these last four matches is any actual change in results. Even though you're starting to slowly get some of these players back, and all right, you could count up by saying Murphy and Welch are not a hundred percent fit, but they're but they're a lot closer than they've ever been. So. As we will no doubt get onto, the collapses in the second half performances of a couple of games. It's the set, that's the same old problems with slightly different set of players. So, yeah, this is back to the on paper we should be ripping it up. Yet we're not, um, and we, yeah. we need to start, it, so to speak. It'll be interesting because Murphy was on the right, wasn't he? At Charlton, had that incredible assist where he kind of. That cross shot low thing for was it Bowden finished it? Yeah. And then, while, and then what you saw, so he was ace and he did, like Jack said, really well coming off the bench at, away at Wednesday. And then you've seen Wildshirt rip up the left hand side, you know, in he, again moments, but it seemed to be a consistent outlet. And they did create, there's an assist in there and there, there was a chance that probably should have been a goal as well. So I do buy it, but you're right. It's still, there's still problems as to why we're not then um, converting and seeing games out. Um, just to wrap up Wednesday, can't finish this up without talking about the James Henry um, chat. Do, do you know what? I saw Matt Taylor getting a bit of jip because the, he, the ball finds its way to him first. He cuts in, but then he kicks it past the keeper and then it's just a great clearance off the line. He's dead. He's really unlucky. But then it's just when it drops to um, Henry. Of all the players that you'd want it to drop to, He's just creating a little bit of a backlog, James Henry, of moments of despair. And I know he's got like another backlog of delightful moments, Doncaster away, yeah, saving can, can the we season. Just, can we just raise those moments up a bit? I'm kind of a bit fed. I mean, he's to his own, but it's sort of pile on whenever he... I mean, it's bad. It was bad. You know, not defending him, but I think the pile on is a bit unnecessary whenever he... I, I suppose moments. there's a very good comparison for the same game last year where he won it in the 93rd minute for us as well so that's what I mean he's got though he's just seems that's, to have both sides of it doesn't he that's why I was desperate for him to take the penalty yeah yeah same so I was um, just like we'll never know whether the real reason why well, the real the reason was described by one of some of the players on I follow it was that you know Murphy just grabbed it and said he said he wanted it yeah and we all so, and it was kind of it was obvious why Murphy would have wanted it but I just kind of wish Henry had gone. No, no, this is this is my moment, and there we are. 
I think um, Ben Perkis was saying on the coverage though, he's like, as soon as you start to get into an argument about it on the pitch, yeah. it creates more of a thing, more nerves, more everything else than you need to than needs to be. So if a player really fancies it and takes it, it's whether or not you want to argue to the point and then miss and then deal with the I don't know. It's interesting though. But I was I was fine I was kind of I wasn't fine with anyone taking the penalty. But I think Henry had like scored eleven in thirteen or something like that, which really isn't that bad, is it? So there you go. Jack, what were your thoughts on the pen? Feelings, well, I mean, not thoughts. I mean <laughs> it was I rather summed up the game for us, didn't it? Like big chance not taken. Whereas the fact that Wednesday went up the other end and almost nicked it themselves, that would have been entirely heartbreaking. Um, yeah, I don't mind that Murphy took it. I mean, it wasn't a very good pen. No one followed it in, which really irked mm. me. But um, oh, God. yeah, what more can you say, really? I, I felt that as bringing the feeling back. It was hard. It was hard to take, wasn't it? A week, a week on from how Harry Kane <laughs> and his pen consecutive Saturdays um right all in all though excellent performance once I'd recovered from the the depression of the penalty miss and everything else you kind of reflected on a great performance everything was great uh going into it we knew we had a tough run of games went to Ipswich on Boxing Day seemed to do really well for 25 30 minutes I think everyone was saying exactly the same thing um got to the second half and we just got absolutely well actually it was before the second half but just got completely railroaded by them um but they they seemed to cut above they were a massive cut above Sheffield Wednesday as well so I, I didn't really expect us to do anything else in this game to be honest um the only the only things that I really noticed on the coverage was Jerome um you could see he was just he was, or listening, he was just frustrated. Uh, I think the commentators were basically saying that we kind of looked awful and a shadow of a team that we've seen kind of compete there in previous seasons. So that was the only the only disappointment. But at some stage, with their 104 signings in three years, they were gonna something was gonna click, wasn't it? So it feels like that's yeah. where they're at at the moment. They've they've got it together, um, and I agree with with KR with what KR said about the game in that. It was a genuine, the only way we would come out of that would be to change the, the dynamic and that would have been taking one of our chances early on and then then it's a different game. But after a while, what happened, bar not competing and stuff, wasn't inevitable, but like you say, just kind of just not, not able to compete. When you look at the three scorers though, Ladapo, Burns and Connor Chaplin, it just tells you the level, doesn't it? If we signed any one of those players, we'd be absolutely all over the place with <laughs> with uh, delight in a window. So, yeah, but I think if we score, we've got good players as well, and it would have been a different a different game. Which feels like something we've said on more yeah. than a handful of occasions this season. Which is the the underlying cause for concern, isn't it? That we're we're still saying, arguably, when we've lost games or not won them, at least the same things. Which is. Do you remember when we were playing really well in the first 20 minutes and didn't score? Um, I don't know how you sort that, really, because it's easy to say, I'll oh, score the chances, but it's just become a common theme. It just um, You see it bleed into the, the Charleston and the next game that 
if you play so, I mean, all right, Charlton, we did score two goals in the first half, but then if you don't sort of do something with those performances, it creates a lot of pressure on the team. And then you see that fall away that happens in the subsequent second half. Charlton aside, we were tuning it up, which is even worse that we fell away so badly and almost cocked it up. With, um, I forgot to say, by the way, Wednesday, the Wednesday game, Sam Long was outstanding in the middle yeah. of the park, in the middle of defence, wasn't he? He was playing alongside Finley because Moore was, was that, was he ill? He was out, wasn't he? He can hit um, a pass when he wants, like a long range pass when he wants to, um, Sam Long, a sort of rangy crossfield, like whipped sort of ball. He seems to have added that to his, did it, has done it a couple of times in recent matches. Yeah. I, I really like him at centre-back, Sam Long. He just he just throws himself at everything. Like, he's got that proper, I'm going to stick my head on your striker's boot kind of approach to it, which I really like. Yeah, and the reason I brought that up is because uh, Finley was dropped when we played Charlton at home. Long played alongside Elliot Moore. Um, Anderson, obviously, coming back into right-back after playing a bit further forward at Ipswich. Um, but we were excellent for probably 60 65 minutes of this of this game especially first half we were we were great we talked about that Bowden goal um with the the great cross from from Murphy Matty Taylor got a bit of a, it was a deflection type thing wasn't it if i remember rightly with yeah. Taylor's goal it kind of hit him on its way in um and then we did there was 15 minutes where i was convinced they were they obviously got their goal and then they just looked like they were going to cause us more problems and potentially get an equaliser so it was it was really key going into the last 50. They were tiring a bit when we got our third. Odonka with a bit of a scrappy goal. Wasn't it? It was Wild Shot, wasn't it, who had his shot saved, I think. Was it? I think it was on the right-hand side. Yeah, but the, the drop-off was seriously worrying, though, into the second half. That was just no tempo whatsoever, whereas the first half was just sort of glorious. And you saw Bate progressing even further. And he, he seems to have found a way to find pockets of space that he kind of couldn't quite find before. And the rest of the, midf- the midfield seems to understand itself a bit better. There's a lot more kind of like, with two of them go, then McGuane will start to bolt up the left-hand side a lot more, whereas before he sat back and something's clicked there look, a lot more. It looks much more of a midfield unit now than it has done at any point this season. And I think as well, you start to see the fullbacks edge further up the pitch. Now, Obviously, Anderson, and I'm just, this is just me engineering an opportunity to talk about Anderson. Um, he's obviously got no issues with going forward and, and doing whatever. But I think if you've got, you can see it with Bate, because he's got someone moving the other side of him and he's got the winger as well, it's just creating more angles and opportunities because they're all three fairly static players, the mm. three midfielders. It's less so on the Kieran Brown's side of the pitch, but. That side of our that was a big part of our play that we sort of took away because we were like, look, we don't actually want to concede as many. Um, I think that's important, but I think I'm, players are willing loving, to cover. I'm loving having Anderson bombing. I, I I'm happy to accept the, the some of the gaps that are left. I, I think it means that your midfield do have to sit in every now and then. But you, see, I think they don't have a problem. I think you see McGuane literally as soon as he starts, if he's the player that's not involved in play, here he goes. You instantly see him drop off, but I think they'll be they'll be happy with that because they know he can make stuff happen. So it's kind of like, well, I mean, he literally slalomed through the middle of the pitch and nearly scored 
that, that, been, that thing. So, yeah. like you, well, I think I think it's just fun. I think it's just embrace Anderson and it, 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 it is fun. <laughs> oh, so, so, so that's such a bad. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> where, where did where did the Charlton game turn? It turned when they got back into it. Why did they get back into it? Because Javan Anderson was thirty five yards further up the pitch, and oh, d- yeah, don't get me and wrong. their winger tore Elliot Moore a new one. There are times when it can be fun. I think 2 0 at home is not there are that time. Times when it can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know, he, he's, he has been at fault for goals we conceded. I because think that, that goal, like James said, arguably Charlton deserved to equalise before we got our third. It's weird that I, I, the thing based on that point, everyone kept on looking back at the Charlton game as a super duper excellent performance that we were going to build momentum off. But it was shite compared to the Wednesday match. Like it was nothing. As in the first, yes, there were great moments. First half was pretty good, but when there was half an hour in that second half that just weren't, it, the football wasn't good. And I remember sitting there, with my basically with my head in my hands, going, "Oh no, we're we're, we're going to throw this away." Um, so it, I did. I found it interesting that the wider community seemed to keep referencing it as a. I great think performance, it. I think but, it relates to like you saw the similar thing after Port Vale, as well. And I'm not saying so. It's not having a pop at what people think. It's more that it's about trying to have that sense of what we need some momentum. I think someone else of you has dug out. What is it? We haven't won back to back home games or something like that. We well, yeah, we we literally have in twelve. I think it's twelve home games. We yeah. haven't won any back to back. And how many we have? We even won three on the trot this season. So I think that's part of it. Um, but also, but way- like, what you saw in the first half gives you such. Hope and the drop off in the second half is what gives you such a serious worry. The the only saving grace I have for the the Charlton thing to make me think actually it probably was a really good performance is I think having their results in the last like in and around that loss to us didn't they beat who have they just played they they've had two games recently I feel like they beat they, Pompey they beat Pompey after us and then they who did they there was another result as well but I mean they're a team that's basically doing a bit of an us. In that, I mean, they were one. They were one place beneath us when we played them, so they were there for the taking, and they kind of were, but it just wasn't. It wasn't remotely conclusive. Yeah, they drew with Peterborough and then they beat Pompey. So it just shows you that they're not necessarily easy to beat. Um, and to us to make them look pretty ordinary for long periods is fair enough. But again, they're still struggling this season. Um, we move on to kind of the last game. That we had to talk about. So to John's point, we kind of we we were talking in our chat before saying we haven't had back to back home wins. What an amazing opportunity to do that at home to Exeter, a team we've already put eight goals past this season. I think um, first half again seemed to be pretty strong. Um, Wildshot obviously started on the right hand side, um, but he had so much space down the left. Got so he looked really dangerous. We had quite a few chances mcguane i remember jack messaging you because i'm constantly on the troll about every time mcguane goes forward i'm always pinging one of you guys um but he actually did he looked really good his turn and his ability to kind of just drive forward and seem that, to kind of that ball right that he played into taylor's feet when taylor hit the post was oh, yeah that was proper next moment but i, miss, I it was a mishit but yeah i do agree with you yeah, sure. it's like falling over when he hit it. Honestly, go back and watch it. You still play things. You can still play a pass. Like anyway, 
I do. I, I will give you some sympathy with this. He does need to sort of. He still wants to side foot whenever he shoots and stuff. I do want to see him just smack it. Like I think Rosie said, as a million lights, put his laces through. He does. That's definitely not there yet. But the signs of the forward Marcus Grain position are there for all to see. It's, yeah. me, and, it's me and Jack claiming the victory there. <laughs> um. So we're kind of what nil nil a half time. Generally, it was a good game. It was enter Exeter created two or three really good opportunities as well, but we had a majority of possession, like 60, 70%, and just still looked in control. And I was confident we'd get the job done. But second half started and it the drop off was incredible. We we looked so far off it and Exeter just deserved they the quality of the chances they created, they absolutely deserved the win and you could see just see it coming like you could see it coming and even after they scored they hit the post and then McGinty had a great he's another person we haven't really talked about but he made a great save to tip the ball onto the post at one point um the thing that this is the kr in out discussion point at this point but when i was properly thinking about this i was looking at the team you kind of look at McGinty. i looked at the goalkeeper situation it's a bit of a mess isn't it really like i know we we've basically decided Eastwood wasn't our first choice keeper, put Stevens in, thought Stevens isn't good enough, sent Stevens on loan, then McGinty's in at the moment. I know Eastwood's not not well, and McGinty looks rash, but still has time to improve, might get into a good place. The defence is has just there's some improvement there, but it's still collectively a bit of a mess. And I just think about how long KR's been there. It still all has to go on him. And even when you look at the midfield, and we've referenced it multiple times, the three that are in there, you know, that's definitely like a top six League One midfield. Like if they're if they're all playing as they should be playing, that that the three that are there are quality, right? They, they are, but that you could, if you were going to be sort of perfectionist a bit, there is a there is question marks over the more of their defensive side of the game, and that. It's not work rate. It's just more about the kind of the covering side of things and bits and bobs like that. But yeah, this is the but you, this is the conundrum at this level. You can't have everything. But it could anyway. I don't think you. Those three are the first choice, and there's no there's no point really kind of trying to talk about it. And and whilst I just to finish this very loose, vague point off, when I then look at obviously the transfer dealings and everything around the the front line. It feels like there. I think someone referenced this like Rob Hall sentiment mentality that KR's had before about not being brutal enough at times. Maybe he hasn't had the options to do it with the people that are there. But I, I just injuries are part of the game. They're always going to be part of the game. And I, if if KR was sacked, I I would you can componentize every part of the pitch. And it does still come back to decision-making about the squad, combining the squad, making the right decisions, making subs at the right times, getting your tactics right and everything else. And I still th- I still buy that he's in credit and I'm completely agnostic. I don't care at this moment in time whether he stays or whether someone else comes in and gets a, a fresh shot because I could understand if they made that decision. But also I'd like him to do well and be successful. But I at the moment I don't, care either way because the way I was breaking it down in my head I was like no the defence is like it is because of the manager at this moment in time um, 
and the same with the rest of the pitch. And I, I still think that midfield should be controlling more games. Um, I don't know, where are you guys at with this? Are you still just on the fence, just allowing it to float by, irrespective of anything? This is the this is the conversation Oxford fans are having everywhere, right? So, I, what do I think will happen? What do I want to happen? What I think will happen is that it'll get to the end of this season unless unless we collapse ourselves into a proper relegation scrap, and I think they'll hit the panic button. So I I think he'll get to the end of this season. I then think they'll give him the summer, and they'll have a decision to make around October if we're in amongst it or not. That's what I think will happen. What I'd like to happen is that this is probably a good point to go for me. I don't, and this won't happen, but I don't trust him with this window because, as you just said, he's been with us for, what, is it five years now? So is that 10 windows, give or take? And we're still having the conversation about, is the squad good enough? Yes, we've got a good starting 11 and you can... You know, you can name the 11, you know, who should be a top side in League One. But we always come back to when we've got injuries, and Carl Robinson says this himself, he goes, oh, well, we've got injuries, we've got big players missing. Basically saying the squad I have built is not good enough to cope when there are gaps in availability. Yet he's had 10 windows. So why is that still not, why are we still not at a point where he thinks he's got a squad to compete rather than a, set of 11 players and that is the exact we don't know what happens behind the scenes in terms of what fell through and what he didn't get over the line but that is another factor of something managers need to be able to deal with and then target more realistic targets and look elsewhere and do whatever else so I I kind of felt for him in that at that point as well and we maybe budgets and everything else is still a constraint for him well so the additional point to link to that is there is no question at all that this is the biggest budget we've had in years but it feels wasted because of where the big books have gone the likes of Murphy, Wildshirt have not been available and you look at someone like Plymouth who were 27 points behind at this stage of the season who don't spend big they rely a lot on loan players, but they build a squad. And we're 27 points behind having had our biggest budget ever. For me, for me, current position versus budget is a failing, which is why I'd say bye-bye now from that point of view. I still think there's good players there. He's a good manager. We know we can play well, but it, it feels of it we're coming to that natural kind of... Plateau difficult. where you can't... Yeah. yeah. John? I, I do lean towards the power of a reset, um, but the other side of me doesn't want the on-pitch disruption if the off-the-field stuff is, is a critical point. And there is something about not giving up on this season, but equally, do we want to go out and do something silly in January to chase it? Because I always come back to the fact that the players we have in the, on the pitch are very, very good on paper. And this is, I think, the issue that's always bugged me is why have they not done better to this point, regardless of injuries, um, which have 
yeah, meant the subs bench looks a bit crap on a few occasions, but they should have been able to do more versus a lot of the teams we've we've played. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm I'm not willing us to fail so that it's it becomes more clear. But and I agree with Jack's timeline. I I, I think we're all sitting. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, and it's probably too late in terms of January and someone coming in. But so I don't yeah. think our ambitions are not to make the playoffs this season. And obviously I want to make the, the playoffs. And Tim Williams was still saying it's a target. Yeah. Um, obviously well, he's, obviously yeah. he's got to yeah, say yeah. that, hasn't he? He can't be like, no, we're happy with ninth. We'll just well, aim for ninth. And- and and equally, we know full, fully well that a Carl Robinson Oxford side has and still has the ability to go on a run where suddenly in five games' times we're going, blimey, if we beat so-and-so, we're two points off the playoffs kind of thing and you get all the excitement. Because this, this we had this game. conversation last year. We said, how many times do we have to look at a table and go, oh, when we go on one of our good runs, we'll be right back in it? Like... I, I don't I don't see it this season. No, I, I don't in, unless unless the striker unless Joseph comes back and is absolutely on it, or if um we so we just make a great sign in someone with experience or a Kemar Roof style miracle that pops out of the loan market. Um, I just can't. But maybe you know I'd be I'd be really happy if that happens. <laughs> I don't know. It does. I, I just feel differently now. I think I felt. I always felt the sentiment and felt that as a fan base, we still owed Robinson a bit of trust and a little bit of leeway to get things right. And I, we kind of said until Christmas, you know, a few pods ago, we were talking about see where we are at Christmas and we're still closer to the relegation places than we are the playoffs. I, I feel like over these last four games, we've gone back to square one and a half, if that makes sense. Because you've got you've got some really stuff that you could really cling on to that's happened in those four games, and if we had won Sheffield Wednesday, which we should have done, Ipswich got battered fine, beaten Charlton, and then beaten Exeter, so the mood shifts again, but it's still not sustained, and that's the problem. That's the problem. My 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 final point of three to throw in is also we've played the bottom five now, and we've beaten one of them. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. You can't gloss over how bad we've been against certain teams, and then the luck of the fact the rest of the team is the rest of the league is also all over the shop. But if you play back the highlight reel of that Exeter second half, I think that's why I feel how I feel. And I know like there are games in isolation, but I just I was reflecting on it afterwards, just thinking that is. It just feels weird that we're so far off, and the players that are on that pitch should not be getting torn apart in that way. Um, so, what well-paid players, yeah, as well as we talked about with with budget. It's just it's to the point that one of you guys was making before. Like the game is ninety minutes, so it's all well and good. You have moments. You, I think Jack was saying, you know, a lot of the post-match is always well. First thirty minutes, we were great, but we didn't score. So then we. They came on to us, we conceded them, the game fell apart. And then it's, you can keep saying that, but it keeps happening and that's not how the game the, the game works. You need to, I don't know. Anyway, um, 
I wasn't actually expecting that to be. I, I think it sounds like generally we're not like supportive of a change necessarily. We're, we're more supportive of just hopefully things will get get in a better place. But it's more that you just want you just. <laughs> I don't. I uh, hate actually. I, I I feel like a. I think like I know which side. I think I know which side of the fence I'm painting. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> but but my my take with managerial things is I, I unless I've got someone in the back of my mind I can say I want that man to replace our current manager I will never quite lean towards the sacking thing and at the minute I don't think unless I'm missing someone obvious there's anyone out there available that I'd want the Cowley brothers no <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's interesting though with them when they're at Lincoln Every the whole mood around the they they generated all of that, didn't they? That whole momentum and everything. I'm not saying I want them, but I'm more interested in the fact they've been sacked. And I know well, Portsmouth is a club with different, you yeah. know, a different history and everything else. But at the same time, probably their playing budget is not too far away from ours, um, and the quality of their squad as well. So it's very it's quite similar, comparable situation in a way with similar aspirations. Like, they're probably pushing playoffs, aren't they? They were probably... Start of season expectations were probably similar to ours. I think some managers are very good in certain clubs, typically slightly smaller, less less obvious on paper at building certain things in when they go to different... Not necessarily bigger clubs, but just different. It doesn't work as, as easily for them. Yeah, I was more down for the Critchley-type um, concepts personally like that i could see you know another kind of project manager that has worked with youth and would be able to take the model on in a sense but i don't know anyway um i don't really want to look at the league one table it looks terrible uh <laughs> plymouth and, i can't believe i'm 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 so impressed with plymouth to jack's point it's absolutely unbelievable what they're doing it's unbelievable. Um, They've done that. It is a, so frustrating to see it. See, like, out of the gate, other clubs just going bang, player in, bang, player in. Some of them are project players or whatever. They're not quite sort of straight in the first team, but there are too many around us, like, that just seem to sort of be ready to go. And some of them maybe for next season and stuff. And it's not all, you know, it's clean cut, but it is a bit yeah. annoying. Sheffield Wednesday is still on an unbeaten run aren't they I can't believe they're still only lost three games there you go maybe it was just a bad day for us you expect Ipswich to really push on keep going those three are gone really aren't they it's going to be very unless um, Barnsley win a couple of their games in hand and then go on a run themselves because they've looked they've looked pretty good in recent weeks Wickham's the other one by the way (laughs) when I was in my demise and feeling depressed I was remembering not that, like a few games into the season, they were, Wickham were below us. I saw this and, the day, and I was looking at where they oh. are. I was like, "Hang on, they're on. They're just they're one place. They're two points outside the playoff places now." Um, yeah, it's just, it's just. What do you measure yourself against? And can, I do. Do we? It, I think the decision is you allow this season as a write-off quite soon. By the end of January, I think we'll know. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But I think by the end of this month, I think we'll know either way. 
we'll be into yeah. the kind of 30 game mark you'll see what other clubs have done you expect at least two other clubs two or three other clubs above us will go on a run at the same time it just that's the way the and, and that's why this in a way this window could almost all this we need to start thinking next season because a lot of the core of this team are locked down for next season there's only a few like Taylor that you'd have to sort of make decisions about, I think, off the top of my head. Um, so, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, any notable signings then? You, you kind of referenced it, John, that other um, clubs have made. Didn't Bolton make one today? Rand- one. Randall Williams. Great name. Jack, you were keen on that one, weren't you? Yeah, he was really good at Exeter. Um, not quite hit the same heights at Hull, but for a permanent deal for Bolton, I think that's a really good one. Um, see Ferguson's going back to Peterborough for the fourth, fourth time. Is it really the fourth time? It's getting to the point where I don't even realise he leaves. <laughs> so I just assume he's always there. There you go. Mentioned the Cowley brothers. Um, he said Plymouth already got three deals done this window. That's what you do though, isn't it? When you're where they are. 50, 15 points clear of fourth place. It's nuts. Um, yeah, they, they're on a crazy one. Um, so fixtures we've got coming up. Fleetwood. Um, oh, we've got obviously got the FA Cup, haven't we, in between? So we've got, got a bit of a gap with the league games. Um, I might go to... I'm still not sure if I can make that, but I'm going to see if I can. Um, then we've got Ipswich again at home. It's terrifying. Hopefully, <laughs> then wick wick him away. That's been that's a Tuesday, I'm guessing, isn't it now? It's and then just, um, it's not terrifying. It's just it's got that inevitability. <laughs> terrifying about it. I mean, those next three games, Fleetwood, who were always a bogey side for a while. Granted, we've beaten them more recently. Ipswich, who just killed us really on Boxing Day, and then just wick him away, which is generally just a two nil. Yeah, Joe, just Jacobson free. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we just don't. When was the last time we won at Wickham? We'll come back to us when we preview it at some point. Um, but anyway, that's the point, isn't it? It's not an easy play. We don't tend to do well there, and they'll have a firework display lined up and all that shit, and then be miserable. Um, Burton away after that. At least we can get some nice beers in. You'll be there, Jack, I take it. You didn't you have to miss this last year, even though it's like 10, 10 metres from you, where you live? Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there unless, well. unless we beat Arsenal on Monday, then it'll be off. Oh, yeah. So, so it'll be on. <laughs> um, and then the rearranged game uh, home to Barnsley is the first game in Feb. So it's really not an easy run of games. I mean, is not, it? not to be a doom-monger, but if you don't beat Fleetwood, then... You're not in a good. You're going into three out of four tough games. I don't think Burton are any doing anything, but no, so, Burton are four four from bottom. I think at the moment. So, and you'd be into February where you've got the yes no good bad transfer window to go through. You're looking at another serious potential drop in mood. Again, not willing it to happen, but didn't didn't KR suggest the um. We needed the recruits in by the Fleetwood game. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, well, he didn't say needed. He said he'd like to have them in 
place. We've, we've heard that though before. Like the Fleetwood <laughs> game, which is yeah, this is what yeah, sorry to say. Um, might as well reference. We haven't talked about the Arsenal game. We talked a little bit about the the merch. That I wonder. Do you, do you think you know it's on it isn't it on ITV? So good opportunity. And I think um, Jerome was talking to Paul Paros about this on the. Uh, it might have been and wasn't at the game, but it's a good opportunity. You know, with all everything that's going off going on off the pitch and getting the community to kind of rally around it, it is a good opportunity for to make the club look good in a sense and hopefully that can be done kind of off the pitch in the build-up and everything else and then on the pitch as well but we just don't want to get battered do we i think we've got plenty of players who will rise to that type of game the team they're playing obviously be massive underdogs um do you think you'll play a proper team yeah we haven't got much wiggle room really just wondering if like your wild shirts and Murphys will start. I think like maybe one of them, but it's interesting, isn't it? I'll just be cu- curious to see who's on the pitch. Should be good though. Lots of shit on Twitter about three stands and a bowlplex. I expect that does come to mind. You know, when I when I was looking at like Brentford playing Liverpool the other day, new stadium, what eighteen ish thousand or something like that, maybe a bit more. Um, but they've managed to just create this like mini cauldron, even though it's all modern and a bit weird with the architecture. They've still created this whole vibe around the whole place. And you want those big nights, don't you, to when these types of games are happening, you want to create that whole thing. And it still feels like the bloody breeze block thing. And you just try and glorify it with some displays. And, you know, hopefully that does um, do a job. But. I can't, I just, it's so, the stadium's so important. It's so important. So many reasons. Anyway, I feel like there's been a lot of negativity tonight. Um, but I think people probably will be expecting that when they listen to this. So hopefully. I think it's healthy therapy, as we talked about it before. Well, I think, I, I think yeah. it's realism. And I think a lot of people will be having similar conversations with their Oxford supporting friends. I think. It does feel we're at a real um, tipping point in in all in all areas. You know, if the if the stadium news is good on the twenty fourth, that can be a catalyst mm-hmm. potentially. Equally, if it's somewhere less than good, does that impact on the pitch further, etc.? So it's quite a big month, both on and off the pitch. I feel stressed. <laughs> I feel stressed. But um, yeah, cool. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. We'll probably pod. When are we going to pod again? So the listeners can know and hear our disorganised status. I reckon maybe if we beat Arsenal, rearrange the Burton game, beat Fleetwood, maybe we can chat again before we get to to the Ipswich match at home. Everything will be great. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later. (laughs) 